Welcome to Michigan HockeyCast 5.4, where we score like Fantilli and talk like Youpers. you get asked if you were going to go to the games last weekend up in Sault Ste. Marie? You asked me that last week. No, no, no. I'm not asking if you're going, but did did other people ask you? No. It was just me? Yeah. I was the only person? That is crazy. I must have been asked by maybe 10 different people, hey, are you going next weekend? And I was like, well, it would be a fun trip because you'd, you'd probably want to go see it and, and, you know, there's some romanticism to going to like smaller rinks that Michigan hockey plays in, you know, cause it's just sort of like a, seeing those smaller barns and especially in like that, when you go to a school that has like, that's their one thing Yep. for whatever sport it is. It's kind of cool. But there weren't a lot of people there, at least the Friday night. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe not. I did not look at the attendance, yeah. but uh, usually people go to those things. I mean, that's, that's the thing up in like Northern and Michigan tech and, and yeah, like state I mean, tech's definitely a good environment. Ferris and, like, people like, I think they're, they're cooler. Anyway, so I'm surprised at because a lot of people just kept asking me. But have you been, have you ever been to St. Marie? Uh, no. Have you been to the UP? Very briefly as a small child. So, not really? Not really. Do you think you could fit in up there? <laughs> like, can, can you talk like a Uper? Um, I'm not exactly sure the dialect Are you, difference. Do, do you do accents? I mean, I I have a very Michigan accent in general. I'm not sure how different it is from the UP, but yeah, I have a very Michigan okay, accent. Okay, but can can you do like other accents like Jamaican or Southern or no, New not, York? Not or really, no. British? No, I can just no. say Detroit. That's about it. <laughs> like, who's the Canadian guy who would always do that? Well, a lot of people do that. Elliot Friedman does it if you watch. If you watch who's the guy on CBC him. or Hockey Night in Canada? Uh, well, they all do it on there pretty oh. much. Okay. You're, it's, that a, was... it's pretty common among, like, hardcore Detroit. Ontarians, yeah. That's what it is? The attendance for the Friday game was 3,423. The capacity is listed as 4,000. Hmm. Well, I don't know if that's... I mean, again... the Tickets sold? A, yeah. I mean, it looked more like that was the old palace attendance, where <laughs> tonight's attendance, 11,200. Like, I can count the people on the screen. <laughs> what? <laughs> All right, so we had to watch this game on, what was it? I think it was Flow Hockey. We, we referenced this last week. Um, what was the price tag we said we were going to tell the viewers? Well, I, I, I managed to procure it without a uh -oh. price. Uh-oh. Because I have connections. So I, I was able to do that. It wasn't illegal. <laughs> don't, don't worry. I only do that when I had to watch Oregon for years and didn't have Pac-12 Network. But anyway... Um, so it was. Remember last year when we had? What did we have to get? NCHC TV. Yeah, well, that's what we need this weekend. That's true. Uh, if yes, if you if you can manage to watch both hockey and football, you will definitely need NCHC TV. I thought that flow was subpar. Well, it took a little bit of wrangling to start the broadcast. <laughs> wrangling, there was well, like, loose cattle that we had to tie down. There, the every time wasn't it? Every time the broadcast seemed like it was starting, then it went to a commercial, and then we had to rewind it and then try to start so you, it again. When it would 
it would freak out, and then when you'd restart it, it would start from the beginning. Yes. So you'd have to fa- So I had to fast forward like half an hour. So we ended up missing a goal because, well, that's how long it took Michigan to score. But anyway, kind of my point is like, I think I I think this comes in below NCHC TV. Yeah. Well, the announcers were actually pretty solid because they were, um, you know, they were FM radio guys. Right. Well, I mean, that's what these streaming services do, right? Is they tap into the local feeds. I mean, like when, when we, when we have, um, I think BTN plus you get like Al Randall. Well, d- yeah, it depends. Sometimes so you, you just get student get, broadcasters and sometimes right. you get radio guys. But the, 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 like the quality of viewing was okay. It was just that the consistency of not having technical difficulties was, was not the best. I would, I would say, but, but we did the one the one positive when you when you get these streaming services is you get the local ads and so we got to see how many ads for Sioux Builders Supply. There were a few of them, right? And like last year in Duluth, we got like some tractor company, I think. I mean, again, that's what you get if you watch Hockey Night in Canada. You get all the on the CBC in yeah. Southeast Michigan. You get all the like Southern Ontario Windsor ads, right? Yeah. It's just kind of it's a unique flavor that that when when you watch some of these remote areas and and get their ads and broadcasts it's kind of what homey and there's a certain charm to it I think so instead of seeing like the tenth ad for McDonald's <laughs> like yeah I can or Coca Cola like okay whatever anyway no, it's really the Jersey Mike's ads now now it's <laughs> now with, all the all of a sudden, Jersey Mike's has become the advertising giant of the modern day. Danny DeVito? I, mean, I don't think I'd ever seen a Jersey Mike's ad until like a year ago, and now all of a sudden they're on every commercial break. <laughs> did you know Danny DeVito is still alive? I did know that. <laughs> Apparently, he spends all his time waiting in line for subs he didn't order. And like getting really close to them. He's talking about how he can hear them sizzle. I don't know. Uh, I've I've had enough of that. But I want more Sioux Builders in supply. That's that's my takeaway from this weekend. Anyway, there are also a couple hockey games. Actually, that's debatable. There was one hockey game, and they may have played it twice. Yeah, something like that. And both games start. We'll start with the first one. But both games start with Michigan having pretty good first periods, including scoring Adam Fantilli scoring on a two-on-one before we can even get the stream stream going. So. If you need description of this, you'll have to dig around for replays because I did not see it live. And um, it's good that Michigan was getting some two-on-ones and some odd man rushes because that was not necessarily the case last weekend or even previous in the season. They were giving them up. But they did get a few, and Fantilli scored. Uh, it was not going to be his last goal of the night or of the weekend, for that matter. And... Uh, he had probably his coming out party, I would say. I mean, Lake State clearly isn't the best version of themselves that we've seen, but Fantilli kind of jumped off the screen. Well, as a first preface, Lake State is probably worse than Boston U. So <laughs> it was not surprising <laughs> the, that Michigan got out off and running in these games. Were they, were, the question is, are they worse than Lindenwood? Because I'm thinking maybe yes <clears> at this point. Uh, well, their goalie played pretty well on Friday, not as well on Saturday. Yeah, well, um, it was a different goalie. Right. And, um, you know, the, the Michigan, I mean, they just kind of seized control. And this was one of those games where you watch the first period and you kind of know what the final outcome is going to be. Yeah. Because Michigan outshoots Lake State 12-6 in shots on goal in that first period. I'm not sure what the attempt numbers were. but And they get three goals. And, yeah. 
you know, this weekend, I mean, in particular, the talking point coming out of it is the Fantilli storyline, certainly among the internet scouting community. And, um, I mean, that got started right from the beginning. Yeah. And it got, it kept going right after he started from the beginning because he scores again in, I think it was about midway through or, yep. or a few minutes in. 1045. Yeah. Uh, he just kind of like dusts the guy in the slot, gets in tight, and it looks like Duke might tap in the rebound, but they gave the the shot or the goal to Fantilli, who gets the puck on net, and I guess it just kind of trickles through because Duke looks like it he's sure looking like, around. It sure looked like Duke was yeah. the one who got it, but they must have had an, another angle we didn't get to see. I mean, the the deke on that play and the ability to shield the puck while he makes that move, I mean, that's why... We're, you know, talking about this guy in terms of the NHL draft. That's the kind of move that uh, you just don't see a lot of players that size make. And, and again, it's worth prefacing all of this with the fact that Fantilli turned 18 this month. Well, that's pretty like, typical like for two Michigan, weeks ago for Michigan freshmen the last few years, right? Yeah, but they're getting these underage. 15 and... points in six games is not typical. No, and that's like I'm trying to talk myself down off of this, like angels singing in the sky thing because they played Linden when they played Lake State and after this watching two games of Lake State I don't know maybe maybe they'll be able to improve over the course of the year but I didn't see a whole lot that they did that was going to win them a bunch of games unless the CCHA is not very good well, so isn't normally but. right so you're you're kind of trying to temper your expectations but at the same time you're looking at those numbers and you're just like man <laughs> well, we'll get some more information soon enough and so it's 2 nothing. It's nearing the end of the first period, and Michigan bags another one. This one is, is a bit of puck luck. Although I will... we, thought it was, <laughs> we thought it was a really nice shot yeah. from Triscott because he does a pump fake on a slap shot, yep. moves over, and then lets it go. And then we're like, wow, he picked the corner. And then you You're show like... the backside, and it's like, oh, it hit three things. And then... <laughs> <laughs> but I will give him credit that he didn't blast the puck into the first guy. So he, he fakes the slap shot, like you said, and moves, which is what you want, and gets a good look from straight away, which is a good scoring opportunity. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm a big proponent of the shot through bodies, Yeah, but there is an art to doing it. Yeah. And that's a big thing people lose in that. It's like, yes, I want more point shots against good goalies because it in- introduces randomness. However, I don't want those shots to just be into the legs of the guys in front, right? right. So you need a defenseman who has an ability to get the seeing eye shot through, which is a, a skill that we don't talk about enough. Well, the rule when you take like a a corner kick or a free kick in soccer is it's on you to beat the first guy or the first wall of guys or whatever it is. That's on you. After that, you try to put it into an area where one of your guys can, you know, win the header or knock it in or something, but you, it's up to you to beat the first guy. And I think that's similar in this situation to when you're shooting the puck, especially from distance is you have to beat the first guy, because if you don't, you probably shouldn't be shooting the puck. Like, you need to be moving or dumping or flipping or something else, but not shooting the puck into the guy's shins. I mean, Brian and and I and a couple other people used to call that, like, uh, Michael Downing. Because for years, he would just get the puck and blast away and would hit a guy's shins and go ricocheting out of the zone. And you're just like, wow, that was a waste of time. And now you almost have a breakaway the other way. So he does do that. He does move. And that was the part I liked is he took his space well, but he kind of shot the puck back into the crowd instead of like at the open net and then does get the friendly bounce, goes in the net. And I mean, for all intents and purposes, you're like, well, this game's probably over. Like I. Well, and I, I mean, the first period was a uh, 60 minutes of offensive zone time. 
uh, type period. Yeah. So from that perspective, because sometimes you have a three nothing lead and it's kind of fluky, but this all the signals were pointing in one direction. Right, and it became four nothing pretty quickly after the second period started, and this was um, you know, Draper has. Keenan Draper, Michigan's freshman on basically the fourth line, has garnered a, a couple different talking points in the first few weeks. Um, he's played and sat and played again, and he had a nice little take, I thought, on this play where he skates along the goal line to the front of the net, and then the puck goes in. It wasn't like a clear win where he dekes a guy and lifts it up, and it do- or he like goes short side and beats him or whatever. It kind of, there's some garbagey fluff that's going on before well, you, the puck gets in. You have Triscott with a nice keep in at the point, then Hughes slides down the wall. TJ, not Quint. No, not Quinn? Luke. Probably not Quinn. Not Quinn either. But <laughs> not Jack? Luke. Yeah. Was it Jack Hughes? Uh, TJ Hughes uh, gives the little slip pass to Draper, and then, I mean, he shows a lot of skill on that play with yeah. a little drag to the forehand, get in tight. I mean, finishing in tight is not an easy skill uh, thing to do, and you know, he kind of gets hacked from behind and goes somersaulting through the air as he <laughs> as he scores it. So it was a nice little move altogether. And, and, you know, we also saw Steve Holtz make some moves. Like, that was a game where just because I think Lake State just isn't um, a good skating team at yeah. all, you get more time and you get more space, you're able to see these guys uh, do a little bit more with the puck than they normally would in a game that's faster and, and you know, where the, the opposition is putting more pressure on you. Yeah. But it was nice to see Draper get to the net. I mean, that's where he's going to score a lot of his goals, right? He's probably not winding up and beating you from Well, he does have a decent shot, supposedly. Oh, does he? We just haven't seen it a lot so far, so we'll see about that. But my guess is that being on the line that he's on, playing with the guys that he's going to be skating with, he's probably going to end up near the net, and finishing goals like that are where he's going to most likely get his, and and this was a good start for him. Uh, And at that point, you're just kind of like... I mean, I have a note here that says 27 minutes in and Michigan's just in complete control. And they are. I mean, you're you're basically in that same stage that they were in the previous Friday night where you're up a ton on BU yeah. and you're just playing out the game. Now, in this particular situation, Michigan took it to Lake State. and, and Yeah, and, and I mean, did, it, against BU, it's, it's possible to fathom them coming back from four down. Lake State, it was not really. No. And I mean, they, they did a good job of chipping away. They got one back in the second and they cashed in on the power play in the start of the third. And that was the point where it was like, ah, yeah. maybe if a little something weird happens and a puck you know, triple doinks in or whatever, and and on halfway through the third, and suddenly it's a one goal game. Then things could be interesting, but it never really did. So we should talk about that first goal a little bit because I thought that that was um, this was Ethan Edwards' first game back. He played both games during the weekend, and you definitely saw him on the offensive side at times. His speed is unquestionable. He gets out in transition well. He created a couple odd man rushes, but he was definitively at fault, I believe, on this goal, as the guy that he has, he skate on on the in sort of two portillos left. They're moving from the boards towards the center of the ice, and Edwards decides to go around the net, and yep. the attacker goes to the front of the net. Edwards therefore takes himself away from checking the guy. The puck is won by a Lake State player on the board on the boards near the point. It's thrown towards the net and redirected in by Edwards' man, and he's kind of stuck behind he the net. He just took a weird route to it. Right. And I just think in those situations, when the puck's in your own zone, I think he's probably trying to maybe be open for a pass down the boards if, if they win the puck or whatever, but you've got to have your priorities right and, and check your own guy first, right? I mean, especially yeah. if a guy's going in front of the net. Yeah. That's... That's A1 right there. And that was just kind of a goof. I didn't think he had a poor weekend overall, 
but uh, it did catch them on that one on that one goal. I guess in the rest of the second period, there's a couple of power plays. Not a lot really happens. I mean, that's a spoiler alert for game two where Lake State gets a lot of power plays and does almost literally nothing. Michigan has one or two. They looked okay. Um, but at that point, like I said, the game is mostly in the bag. Um, it's four to one at the end of the second. And then right starting the third, the first note that I have is uh, Lake State on one of those power plays where, again, it's not like they're gaining the zone, pinging the puck around, Michigan defenders are getting caught out of position, and you're getting good shots, but um, a a guy skates sort of through the house, he's semi-checked, and then gets drifts over between the middle of the house and then the left dot, and just shoots a a puck on net, and it goes through Portillo 5-hole, I'm pretty sure, and that's just, like, that was probably the one thing that he kind of goofed all weekend, was it just... Like, yeah, that's probably the worst goal he's given up this season, I think. Yeah, I was. I, I mean, that's a good point. I was trying to think back through all the Lindenwood goals, but I know that they did score a few goals, and I couldn't remember all of them. Well, but, those tended to be more like, uh, you know, rush chances or ones where there was a lot more going on there. Yeah, but this one was, was not great, and it, it didn't matter. And it, if you're going to pick a time for him to give away a goal, this was a pretty good time to do that. Um, but it was still just sort of one of those five hole goals and you could see his reaction like he's like moving with the puck obviously in good position because the puck is going to go through the middle of him and it, when he knows that it trickles through or, or squirts through he throws his head back I mean that's like the yep. universal sign for a goalie is like I should have had that oh no I, can I rewind three seconds kind of thoughts going through his head is just like ah, oh. and you're just like I said not the worst thing in the world because of the context but not a great goal to give up there. And then, like you mentioned earlier, now it's 4-2, and you get... I mean, this is like the 96 Ohio State thing, right? Like, Sean Springs slips, Ty Streets runs for a billion yards, Michigan scores a touchdown and wins because of something like that. And, I mean, you get one of those plays, the puck takes a triple doink or something, or goes in off, or someone just falls down, like kind of what happened in that Quinnipiac game in the tournament, and all of a sudden you're in a game. But... It doesn't really happen to Michigan. They don't even really give up another power play. There's really all the notes that I have here are just like, you know, Fantilli gets in and gets a chance and um, Edwards got a breakaway. He shot high and wide. I mean, so Michigan had two really good scoring opportunities there to make it five to two. They didn't. Um, And then, oh, they do make it four to three, but uh, the goal is called off. Because Jeffers shoots, Portillo yeah. saves it, and then he <laughs> knocks him into next week <laughs> into the goal, and everybody's booing. And it's like, uh, well, if there's ever a goal to be waved off because of contact with a goalie, that was it. Yeah, that was really the closest they came because they spent a lot of this third period in the box. They took yeah. a penalty at 132, they took a penalty at 955, or sorry, 655. There was a, a skirmish both ways and the big blow up halfway through, but then again, Late in the period, when they need to make the final push, they take another penalty, and that basically ended it. And some of these penalties were building off of what BU was doing to Michigan the previous week of trying to be physical. And, like, they had a couple of, like, really late hits. Like, Truscott got hit in the corner way after the puck was gone. Somebody else got hit late, too. Yeah, there was one on Fantilli that wasn't a penalty, I don't think, and it should have been reviewed for... uh... A major, I believe. Oh, because it was behind the play. It was behind the play. Yeah. And remember, we didn't really see it, but he was hit from behind. And, and he's down, face he's down. He's down for a while, yeah. and we were all like, oh, 
you know, because the, the play had gone on and they come back and they, he's lying dead on the ice. And you're like, well, what happened there? Right. And so that I, you know, we talked about it during after BU of like BU tried to be very physical to Michigan. It blew up in the first game and in the second game, it ended up being kind of effective. They were able to bully them and keep them in their own zone. You know, that's going to be something that Michigan's going to see from a lot of teams this year. I think that's going to be their the, the book on them is you might be able to get them a get them off their game. B, turn it into a special teams fest and, and beat them that way because Portillo's tough to beat. Or C, just being able to push them around because they're just, you know, young and, and not as big and experienced and as have as much size as, as a lot of their opponents. And, and, you know, because if you honestly, like, if you try to skate with Michigan, there's, what, a couple teams in the country? I mean, Minnesota's probably going to be able to do it. That's probably it in the Big Ten. I mean, I expect next week to see Western Michigan be very physical. Very physical. I mean, right. That's something we saw last year. Yeah. So it's going to be a theme. Yeah, for sure. And then it's we need to finish the shout-out to Adam Fantilli because he... Completes the hat trick. With the long gun <laughs> via George Blaha <laughs> from his own, what, house-ish inside one of the dots. Yeah, it was yeah. A, yeah and it counts as a power play goal it because does. LSSU had taken the penalty. They pulled the goalie, so it's five aside, but with the empty net. And then, uh, yep. And then there were fireworks post game because there was some sort of festival, Great Lakes festival going on in the Sioux this weekend. And we got to see fireworks because for a nice Michigan win on Friday, not on Saturday, but uh, so that's that's kind of fun. You can enjoy that. Um, we'll move into the second game. It's basically the first game where Michigan scores uh, early. This is another goal that I did not see because so uh, it didn't get shown at more, all. More technical difficulties <laughs> where the the screen freezes. It says there's technical difficulties. I back out of it, click on the correct game, go back in. And all of a sudden, it's 1-0. And I was like, oh, I guess we scored. <laughs> Who knew? And so it was 1-0. It was, it, the box score said it was Samuskevich from Luke Hughes and Adam Fantilli. So another point for Fantilli. Mackey scoring, not a surprise. He's been scoring early. Um, it's 1-0. And then basically before too long, again, not much from Lake State. Michigan makes it 2 nothing as... Fantilli scores on an open net. Samo had, I thought, a really nice pass where he dishes sort of from the side to an open Fantilli who's posted up in the slot. He finishes up high, kind of an open net because... Um, well, that, I mean, that's just another play where it's a long cycle possession. Yeah. Michigan's shooting and retrieving and they're moving around and Lake State's on their heels. And then uh, uh, Samo's Kevich had tried a, a pass earlier in that sequence that didn't work. Then he you know, gets the, the second one to be in position to be finished off. Yeah. So it's 2 nothing, and then Michigan starts getting their power plays, and they actually get two of them overlapping. So they had a 5-on-3. I didn't think they worked this one really well. Um, you know, they at times put two guys below the dot before and kind of passed behind the net. They didn't do that in this game. They they still use that X form, form where you had the guy in the middle and then sort of four corners around him. But they didn't really move the puck very well, and the shots were all kind of a guy not sure what to do, so he just flung it at the net. And you could see that, you know, the defense was able to track those shots pretty well. You weren't, it wasn't moving it. A lot of times you like to go low and then high or, or changing angles and depths, and Michigan didn't really do that. They had And they had 40 seconds, and that was sort of the bummer. Again, 
you know, it's 2 nothing. They're probably going to get more goals, but you still want to see them be able to do that because there were phases last year where they had five on three. Yeah, but on they, the other they hand, they with. scored three five on three goals last week. So That's true. You are right. But this happened in this game, so I felt compelled to talk about it. <laughs> so it was 2 nothing at the end of the second or at the end of the first period. Going into the second period, this was actually a really nice play. Um, Jackson Hallam kind of came in out of the neutral zone across the blue line and forced a DZTO on. It, well, yeah, the, I guess it could no, have been well, a fifty fifty so, puck. So the puck was loose and they were trying to clear it out, and he makes an aggressive pinch basically to hold it in right. as and they're trying to break out, and it creates a two on one down low, and he just draws the defender to him, and the TJ Hughes then has a lane to get in tight. Right. And I thought Hughes' move to score was very nice. Yeah, I mean, he faked the goalie out enough, got him to slide to to one side, then pull it back, and has him uh, bending over, and then uh, just goes up high. So And, and Hughes has... A nice-looking move. Yeah, Hughes has, I think, four goals on the year, and this was probably his most skilled goal. Yep. Because his other previous ones were, like, tap-ins or rebounds or just clearing, which, which that's fine. You know, you're going to get those goals, but it's nice to see... Somebody else on the that's well, not that on the first line. The goal he then gets a few minutes later. That is true. Um, so it's it's three nothing at this point, uh, and then Lake State do, is able to get one back on the power play. One of about four or five in this period. We'll touch on that overall because it was. I think there were fifteen power plays between the two teams in this game, but. This was actually, I was trying to look around and figure out who could have done something. I thought Lake State just made really nice passing plays to create this goal where they get the puck to the side and then down below the goal and then up into back into the slot and sort of a tic-tac-toe, really quick puck movement, and the guy scores. Um, I thought that maybe Brindley could have come down from the point sooner and picked that guy up, but the puck moved really well, and in the end, it just seemed like a pretty well-worked goal from Lake State, in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, I don't have a lot to say about that. So it's 3-1, to one, so they're kind of back in it, but Michigan then gets a, another power play. I guess this was their third of the night, if, depending on how you rank a 5-on-3. Um, so maybe their second, if you want to just count just power plays. I don't know. I mean, I, 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 I have an issue with that sometimes, where, like, it's hard to track that. Like, Yeah, I mean, I especially hate the ones that you get... 30 seconds of a power play after a four-on-four and stuff like that. Right. And so you're trying to pick up the number, but does it actually mean anything? And yeah, anyway. So they do get one, and this is where um, Sam Muscovich, or uh, no, it was Fantilli that took a really hard shot from one of the dots, and it's loose in and around, and TJ Hughes whacks in the rebound. Stamad scramble goal, but picks up another assist for (laughs) for (laughs) For Fantilli as those start to mount. That was his third point of the night at that juncture. But the other thing that is a decent talking point is TJ Hughes has found himself on the first power play unit with Samuskevich, Fantilli, Hughes, and... You know, I'd say that's surprising, but on the other hand, we didn't really have any expectations coming into the year. True, but I don't think that he was like in the top two or three guys that we would have picked. I mean, you probably would probably have gone not. No, I mean, I, or... I I assumed he he wouldn't be, but I also said in the season preview pieces like, uh, this guy could actually be good, or he could just be irrelevant. Like, yeah, we just don't have any idea. It was a total wild card. I mean, so far he's been 
Really good. If he keeps <laughs> shooting 44%. What are then, the odds of that, Alex? Well, last year, Merkulov shot 36. Yeah. So yeah, there's a chance that it could be in the ballpark. Well, Not likely, but... And if, he, and if he stays on power play one, and he's kind of the garbage guy, I mean, Fantilli and Sam Oskevich are going to draw a lot of attention, and Hughes moves around well up top. So, I mean, he's going to be the least known and least kind of... Yeah. What was the D'Antonio, where's the threat about uh, Drew Dilio? Where's the threat of, of TJ Hughes, I guess? It's 4-1 to one at that point after after his goal. And, I mean, that's mostly it that happens. The, the, the two things that we need to talk about in this game, one are, holy cow, the net came off a lot. Not only did it come off, but it took forever to put back on. Like, there were long stretches of doing nothing because they couldn't get the net back in. Yeah, I don't know exactly what was going on there, but like they were having to play, blow uh, plays dead <laughs> because, like in the middle of the action. Because, because the net's just like slowly moving off of its moorings. Yeah, and bizarre. Seems like a, a fixable problem, but apparently it was not, at least in this series. And like, you know, that brings up sort of the Minnesota, um, I think LaFontaine and then Close did it, and then Portillo did it a few times in, in Minnesota where teams or goalies would kick the net off. And yep. that was kind of a defensive move at times. This did not seem like that. Th- this was, you know, you bump into the post and it just kind of goes flying. Whereas there are other times, I think Yost, this happens at Yost, where guys will like hit the post, It'll the net will like wobble, but is so tied down that it almost looks like a fishing net on a fish. And then finally the back comes down and you're like, wow, I can't believe the play wasn't blown dead. I see the nets come off in NCAA hockey so much more than I ever do in the NHL. Do you think that's more because of people can I think it's not the, control themselves in, in, I think in terms it's the of quir- I think it's the quirks of the rinks or like you they just so? don't secure the nets in the same way they do in the NHL. How, I'm not sure. What would you do anything differently? <laughs> it just seems very... I'm not, a, I'm not a net expert. Well... I have not been a groundskeeper for a rink. A groundskeeper? An ice keeper? Is that a rink? I don't know what the technical definition would be. Have you been a groundskeeper for anything else? Uh, no. No? So you couldn't speak to the length of grass at, at baseball? <laughs> And this is actually going to be relevant to some degree when Michigan goes to yeah. Western on Saturday night as they played in a slush pond last year. I wouldn't be surprised if it was similar this year. I suppose it's nice for them when they can play it early on in the year that it's not just too cold anyway. Yeah. So, anyway, uh, the last thing then is just really all the penalties. Yeah, I mean, the third period, Michigan gets a goal sandwiched between eight minutes. All right, not quite eight because the last one comes pretty late, but yeah. seven and a half-ish minutes on the penalty kill in that third period that's a long time but the the funny part about it and i you know it's gonna inflate michigan's penalty kill statistics probably but and they did a decent job i'm not trying to take anything away but lake state other than like they had the one play where where that beats portillo on friday and then they had the well-worked tic-tac-toe on saturday other than that i don't know if they even generated any sort of a dangerous scoring chance in like Ten power plays or eight power plays, whatever it is. I, well, you know, look, these games are not competitive, really, and so you're just what? Do, what are we finding in this? And getting penalty kill reps is not the worst thing ever. That's true. I I will I will give you that. That's the, the problem. Then is like you when you're in those kind of games, you would probably want to space out who you're putting on the ice and like ice more people. Get it's a good time for other players to get ice time. Uh, and when one guy's in the box, that's just one less person you can put on the ice. But um, 
Yeah, so Duke scores, what, the fifth goal, I think, and it was another deflected puck. Not not too dissimilar from Truscott's goal on Friday. Yeah, I mean... <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, not a whole lot to say. But... No, I didn't think this was particularly great for the goalie, personally. Oh, but... you didn't? No. But it didn't it change direction? It, it did, but it still beats him. I, I, I'm just a big believer that you can't get beat short side there, right? And okay. It, and it pinballs off the guy, and it um, you know just, just beats him to the side that I just don't like to see there where the, the angle is. Like, there's a, there's a bit of space uh, where I think he could be over a little bit more given where the shooting lane is. So one of the takeaways coming out of this weekend then is, and, you know, it's probably inflated to a large extent, but Michigan's top line is, like, starting like the CCM line did. Where, uh, yep. where you have three guys in the top six scoring, and Fantilli right now is, I think, <clears> four <throat> points clear of second place in terms of points on the team uh no in the nation okay let me i'll pull up i those stats. think i looked saturday night and he had 15 points in six games and number two had 11 points for yes a player for northern maybe yeah fantilli 11 oh sorry 15 points second is 11 points aj vanderbeck from, from northern michigan northern, yeah and jordan byro from aic those two fellas, though, 11 points in eight games yeah. versus six. So if we're going two points per game, uh, next would be Jacob Lee from RPI, 10 points in five games. Um, Matt Brown from BU, nine points in five games. And then that cluster of guys with 10 includes Sam Oskevich and Dylan Duke down at nine. So they are all right there towards the towards the top. Yeah. And, you know, they're getting, I think, the majority of Michigan's points this year. And, you know, that's not that surprising because we predicted this is, like, going to be Samuel's breakout year. Duke really blew up in the second half of last year. And then you bring in, you know, Fantilli, who, yeah, sure, he could underwhelm and maybe he's not as, as great as you think. But the way that he's starting, I mean, you said, you know, if he wants to be in that Bedard conversation, and he may not be. That remains to be seen. But if he wants to be, he's basically going to have to score at an insane rate. And so you know, far, so good. <laughs> through three weekends, uh, it's a lot more than I would have expected, even at his highest. Yeah, and ceiling. I mean, I look, if he continues in a reasonable capacity on this trajectory, then I think we might have a little bit of, of discussion going on in that regard. I mean, there will be overall, because there always is, uh, scouts are always looking for, you know, the next guy who's going to challenge the top dog. Yeah. Um, but, uh, you know, we'll see what, uh, we'll see how it goes. Um, but he's definitely off to the kind of start you would have wanted to see. Um, and I, and he's kind of allowing then, and he's also putting his self in the conversation to be on the WJC team, um, yeah. for, uh, team Canada. I mean, would, would he not have been, well, he's just turned 18. It's a U 20 tournament. Typically, okay. guys that age don't always get picked, especially for a team but as competitive as Canada with as many good players. So, sure, but if you're being spoken in the same sentence with Connor Bedard, well, and you have Bedard's to be. been there, so this is his ticket to get onto that stage and and yeah. to see them potentially play together and play on the same ice against the same competition. Like the things he would need is is being built in that way. Uh, one note here: uh, Dylan Duke plus nine is tied for fifth in the country right now all the plus minus leaders which is a stat with some issues but it's you can look at it and, and just get a you feel can, for some things yeah um penn state with their cupcake schedule which we'll talk about soon they're like all at the top the top three guys <laughs> in plus minus are all penn state players and there's several more in the top 10 
Which means they're just scoring at even strength. Yeah. But Fantilli is tied for ninth, Triscott tied for 11th, and Luke Hughes is there, and Samuskevich tied for 16th in plus-minus. Yeah. Well, another good weekend added to all of that. Um, so we're going to take a break now, and we will come back and talk about some around the Big Ten, a little bit of Western Michigan that Michigan's going to face in a few days, and then um, if we have some time, well, I'm sure we can get into some NHL things that we, you all, lovely people like to hear about. <laughs> I can't believe I'm doing this. If you find yourself in the penalty box, you want a Michigan man arguing your case, call criminal law attorney and former prosecutor Jonathan Paul tonight. It's 248 and 924 9458. Or visit his old website at michiganlawgrad.com. Segment two, there's a couple little house cleaning notes that we're going to have to address. One is we have gotten more of an official word on Frank Nazer, who will miss, well, some Significant time. time. Yeah, probably into sometime into 2023. You were guessing maybe in February, but... That's, well, I'm not... I'm not guessing. That's what the athletic article said. You were quoting someone as <laughs> saying February-ish, but it could also be longer. And I would say there's a non-zero chance he doesn't even play this year. Yep. Uh, Which sucks. Unfortunate. <laughs> but, uh, you know, obviously this is a situation where you're just trying to get the issue right, whatever it is. So he was never probably going to be a, a one and done, right? Uh, if he had had a good year, then potentially, but just doesn't seem like that's... But now there's almost, I mean... Now he's going to, you would guess he's going to You would guess, in. yes. Yeah. Okay. That's the first thing. And then the second thing is Ian Hume has passed away from cancer, I believe, uh, this past week. And the team did a little bit of a tribute to him this weekend up in the Sioux. His first games that, or the first games where they were not playing with him in quite some time. Um, that's obviously an unfortunate situation. He was the equipment manager. Um, I'm not obviously the expert on Ian Hume, but a guy who'd been around the program for some time. And yep. unfortunate news. Yeah, it's too bad. It sounds like people could see it coming, so it wasn't like a shock, but it's still not great, and it's too bad. All right, on to the rest of the Big Ten. Um, an interesting weekend, I think, for the Big Ten. OSU was able to exert their revenge on Bentley for last year's upset loss. They pounded them 9-2 to in, I believe, a Thursday, a Thursday-Friday, which, yay, I'm Team Thursday-Friday for, for <laughs> hockey game, college hockey games, at least in the fall. And then 
Game two, they won three to one, but this was a little tighter. I think it was like one to one in the third. They, yes, the advanced stats weren't close, but on the scoreboard, it was not over yet. Yeah, the 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 metrics are um, showing a slightly different picture. Although shots on goal were pretty similar, uh, it was a good weekend for Stephen Halliday. Four point weekend for him, the freshman who came in from an excellent year in the USHL. Um, off to kind of the start I was expecting from him overall. Ohio State is a team we're going to learn a lot more about this weekend because they're playing Minnesota. Oh, because um, the Big Ten is, well, <laughs> Big Ten. <laughs> Ohio State has already somehow started their Big Ten season. I assume they go to Minnesota? No, they're hosting Minnesota. Really? So, so their first is, four games at home? Yeah, this is a chance for them to really um, kind of, well, they also go at MSU, then Notre Dame. So three of their first four weekends are at home. Um, All right, well, so they have to bank wins early. Right, and they did against Wisconsin, and now they have a chance against Minnesota to kind of show where they are in this conference. Um, you know, Jacob Dobish, so far, so good for him. 931, similar to last year, and uh, scoring is okay. The offense is a little more iffy with 28 goals in eight games. Um, obviously fine, but they have, you know, look at the strength of schedule, etc. into that stat, but... Well, and they got, what, nine of them in one game. In one so. game, right. They gave, they scored one total goal in two games against UConn, so... Yeah, that, who might be pretty good. Yeah, they might be. So that's just something to monitor, but I, I'm excited to learn about these teams uh, this coming weekend. Do we have a TV on that one? Oh, it's national, right? Or is it BTN Plus? Uh, Ohio State, Minnesota? Yeah. I have not seen a TV on it. I can let's, look it up. Let's take a look at this. But... Usually, in my experience, the those sorts of games don't start going on national TV until a little bit later. Well, they do some the games in the fall. Let's take a look. Do they? Yeah, that first one is on BTN. Second one is BTN Plus. Right, and it's but it it pretty much overlaps the Michigan game because I, I believe it starts well, at six thirty, and then you right. Have BTN well, Plus. a lot of people watch games at home, so it's true. So if you want to stream one. And watch one. You can. If you have two heads, it's a good weekend for you. <laughs> or two TVs, <laughs> which people have more and more these days. All right, so Ohio State, big weekend for them. Bigger weekend coming up. Penn State blasts St. Thomas 6-2, to two, also on Thursday. And then sneaks by them in overtime, I think 3-2. to two. That was not great in terms of we're talking about what the... I don't know, indicators are for them, because here's St. Thomas's schedule so far. Okay. Loss, 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 win over Alaska in overtime. Was that at home? Yes. Okay. Loss, loss, loss. That's a lot of losses. <laughs> uh, they wasn't last year their first year in, in D1, I so, think so this is year two. It does not appear from that schedule that things are changing a lot for them in year two, so I don't think that... Going to overtime with them is a particularly great sign, especially when the shot attempt numbers in total were pretty close. So Even did strength State, was did, uh, decently close. Did they get goalied? Is that what happened? Because they only scored, I think, three goals. It was like three to two, if I remember correctly. Um, let's take a look. Uh, no, not really. I mean, they put put thirty three shots on Trotter. He saved thirty of the thirty three. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they've played now. So Canisius. Twice, Mercyhurst twice, St. Thomas twice. So I actually, that was my last note for Penn State. I was going to read through their schedule, and you're like, well. Things are about to is, get real for this them. This is not Murder's Row. Who do they play this weekend? They are at Wisconsin, which is a decent segue which, to a team. Do you want to talk about Wisconsin? Okay. 
Um, so we talked about them last week, saying that they were at a crossroads starting the season 0-4, really 0-5 at the exhibition. Yeah. And we kind of said, this is the weekend where it has to change. Because if you lose twice to Duluth, then all of a sudden you're 0-6 and, and, and your season's over. And their weekend that need to change is at Duluth, which but, has been one of the better teams in college hockey for the last 10 years. But it's a team that Wisconsin historically has a ton of success against. Because that makes sense. And... Sure enough, it continued. They go into the Iron Range and win both games. 5-2 and 3-0? Yes. Think, I think they goalie Duluth in the second game. Um, the second game, they were outshot by a decent margin in shots on goal. They yeah. were Shot attempts were a little more even at even strength, but they were definitely um, the worst team in that one. But they win 3 nothing, and they get a really nice showing from Jared Moe, 35 saves. I mean, they needed it. <laughs> I mean, they needed a lot of things, but they they got. I mean, probably couldn't have asked for a better weekend. No, and I mean, they were two and they were what two and two, uh, two two tie in the first game, and then they get goals from Gorniak, Tice, Milanic, who they got out of the transfer portal, and then Owen Lindmark, and they they get that one done. They shots are a little closer in that game. Then the second one, they get good goaltending. They get a goal from the freshman Cruz Lucius and. Empty netter from Gorniak, Brock Caulfield, who somehow is still around, really scores the first goal. So, you know, that's a big weekend for Wisconsin. And now all of a sudden, look, if they can beat Penn State, they're back in business. And if they that, can sweep Penn State at home. And that's at home. And those are at home. And then look at this. At MSU the next weekend, Long Island, Lindenwood, there's a path for them to turn the season around here. And it starts this weekend against Penn State. Because you look at the year. Okay, the CIS loss is embarrassing. But thankfully, it doesn't count. <laughs> but it doesn't count. Right. I mean, it, it does in everyone's mind. In but... my mind, it does. But <laughs> here, the, you know, their, you sound like Craig. Their four regulation losses are two to Ohio State and two to St. Cloud, who is, like, really yeah. good and unbeaten. So yeah. those are not face plant losses that are going to no. turn, you know. And the Ohio State ones are on the road. So those aren't going to torpedo your your pairwise if you turn the season around. And so now we get to see if that was the beginning of the turnaround. We're really starting to spin some Wisconsin in the positive in the positive direction. Hey, I like being optimistic about teams. <laughs> uh speaking of being optimistic, Michigan State drank 11 Long Islands over the weekend as they beat Long Island who apparently has a hockey team. I think they're in their second year too. Yeah. And they're like light blue and yellow. They are a different looking team with like a shark head on it i think i don't know what they are maybe the sharks long island sharks we'll go with that three to one which mm, that might have been closer than it needed to be but then eight to four on i believe the second night which was that also a thursday friday or that might have been friday Saturday. i think it was friday Saturday. okay so they win both of those games they are the sharks you need to win both of those games and you need to win both of those games it doesn't have to be like overly convincing but I mean, they were convincing. The, the even strength shot attempts for the first game were fifty-five twenty-eight. That's a blowout. And the second one, 57-39. Also a wide margin. So you play a team that isn't very good, and you took care of business. And so now we get to see Michigan State against Notre Dame, which is a, a step up in competition. Uh, we've seen them against mid-tier teams like Bowling Green and, and Lowell, which they've split those so far. Now we have a Notre Dame team that we both have some questions about, and I think this is going to be interesting. I mean, what I like about this weekend is all three matchups have reason to, you know, follow them on the scoreboard. Yeah, uh, absolutely. We'll get to Notre Dame in just a second because of who they played this weekend, which will transition perfectly into the next portion of our segment. So we will tackle Minnesota facing North Dakota. 
One thing I do want to point out uh, about MSU, okay. St. Cyr uh, is like the starter now. Pierce Charles, he, they've played six games. He started five of them. Pierce okay. Charleston did play one. We kind of were high on him. Well, one game or two games that he played, but yes. Yes, but so he played the second LIU game, and he led in four goals on 27 shots. Mm. Not great. Mm. Uh, Saint Sounds Cyr, like a PSU goalie. Saint Cyr nine ten save percentage so far. So it looks like he's going to be going to be the guy for them. Well, Michigan has seen him in the past. That's what I have to say about that. So Minnesota trades overtime wins with North Dakota three to two, and then they lose five to four. Um, I I think they outplayed North Dakota in both games due to the advantage or with even strength Corsi, but they got power played in game two. I think that. If, if I remember correctly, that uh, North Dakota scored four goals in a row after Minnesota went up two nothing, one nothing, or two nothing, and then. So, are you familiar with what happened? <laughs> what in that situation? Are you familiar with because those went semi-viral on college hockey Twitter? No, I no. So, I was... Rhett Petlick scored to put Minnesota up two nothing, and then and this is in game two. Yes, okay. and then his celebration was he threw his stick into the stands. Oh, I did see and that. And he got a ten-minute game misconduct, and. That's pretty dumb. Right. But I that's think it was not just a, a, I think it was just, a, a power I think it was just a 10-minute misconduct. Right. Um, and so then, after that, they score four goals in less than four minutes, North Dakota does. Three on the power play. Three on the power play, but they were not power plays related to that. Right. They were Cal Thomas boarding, Ryan Chesley hooking, and Matthew Nyes roughing in the span of about two and a half minutes. That's That seems like a meltdown. Yeah. I mean, never great. A sequence of events, especially after a you know just bizarre penalty to Pitlick, um, and after you, I mean, okay, you can throw your stick into the stands if you win the why? overtime. Well, yes, okay, but you yeah. can't do that with thirty-two thirty-two minutes to go in the game. <laughs> Second period, yeah. uh, very bizarre. I, when it's two nothing, it's not like it's it, you scored a hat trick <laughs> at six nothing, and now you're just emptying the bench. Yeah, yeah, that very strange. I don't yeah. recall anything like that. But credit to the Gophers. They battled back. Connor Kurth and Snuggerud, pair of freshmen, get it done for them uh, to, to tie the game. But Mark Senden ends up winning it in overtime. Um, the the shot attempts in these games were pretty interesting. They were much in favor of Minnesota. Very in favor. I don't know if this is just Drew DeRitter's thing where he only oh, goes right. to schools where this happens to him. But... Even strength shot attempts in the game on Saturday, 74-31 to 31 in favor of Minnesota. I mean, that's not what you would think about when you think about shots, North Dakota playing anyone. Shots on goal were 41-20. to 20. DeRitter makes 37-41 of 41 saves. And th- but this was in Minneapolis. Uh, I believe yes. this series was in Minneapolis. Yes. Yeah. And the Friday game, the shot attempts were 66-35 in favor of the Gophers. <laughs> I mean, we thought that they could be, you know, top five, top two, one in the country. So it's not like a surprise that Minnesota is doing well or or destroying teams. But I, I guess I didn't really see that coming against. Well, you know, North Dakota law, uh, tied Quinnipiac and then lost six to two coming in. So okay. North Dakota might just not be great. I don't know. It's is this their third? These are their tough to third say. and fourth I mean, games of the year. I mean, what we know about Minnesota is Minnesota, so they... Crush Lindenwood, whatever. Yeah. They split with Minnesota State. Yeah. Okay. And then they go to overtime in these games with North Dakota where they massively outshoot them both both games. I mean, that's pretty good overall. Yeah. The The bizarre thing about that is they started uh, the backup goalie for, Again? 
for the second game. Yeah. They did that in the Lindenwood series, I think. I wonder if they did that in the Minnesota State series. Yeah, so they... So it's not close as net. I mean, they're, they're actually well, having... Well, I mean, he's starting five of... Uh, he started five of the seven games. I just don't know why they... So the other guy's name, I don't know how to pronounce it. <laughs> Owen... Give it a shot. You're the Polish guy. Owen Bar- <laughs> Bartoskiewicz, maybe? Bartoskiewicz? That's my guess. Anyway, um, not great for him against North Dakota. Four goals allowed on 14 shots. I would say Bartoskowitz, but okay. pretty close, yeah. Uh yeah, and so on the season he's sitting at an eight twenty two save percentage. He's from Northville, just down the road. Hmm. Five oh six goals against. So I'm not sure why he's starting games. <laughs> they also have Zach Weiss. Weiss. Uh, he has not appeared in a game. Yeah, there's probably a reason for that. He's probably their Chad Cat. I would guess. <laughs> or who is it this year? Uh, Tyler Shea. Yeah. Yeah. Um. So that leads us to, is there anyone else to talk about? Well, and oh, North, uh, Notre Dame. We Notre Dame about. and yeah. Western, which will transition yeah. into our Western preview. So Notre Dame, we had this gone on Friday. They they won 2 nothing over Western in a pretty even game in South Bend. I didn't have a lot of notes on that. But then when they went to Western on Saturday night, they kind of got pummeled. It was 4-0 on the scoreboard, but like the even strength Corsi was heavily in favor of Western. Yeah, so and and they scored goals early. So it wasn't like it's a tight game how you usually get against Notre Dame and then maybe you, you know, blow them out in the third period or in the second half of the third period. They get two in the first and two in the third. So this seems like it was probably a pretty strong performance from Western. Yeah, I mean that's the only logical takeaway cuz the the first game, the 2-nothing win for Notre Dame, it looks pretty much like a Notre Dame game. Yeah. The shot attempts are pretty even, but they you know, I would assume that uh, from what I saw that the the chances are more in Notre Dame's favor. At least the game just isn't high high event. There aren't a lot of penalties called. It's just a kind of classic game. And uh, Lieberman and Janicki score the goals for Notre Dame. But then they they go to Kalamazoo, and the feel of that game is is uh, very quite different. Yeah. And Western's goalie Cameron Rowe, who we remember old friend at Wisconsin the the o one of the two o's at Wisconsin yes uh 22 saves perfect on the night to get the shutout there were more penalties in that one but uh only one power play goal that's Zach Galambos he had two in that game they actually got both goals uh, in the first and the third were by the same guys yeah. so Cedric Fielder scores two and Galambos scores two so you look at western so far this season 5 and 2 yeah so they play a lot of road games. Like, they went to Alaska Anchorage, and they split. They Which went... isn't great, by the way. Sure. <laughs> Alaska... it, it's also the first game of the year. Alaska and, Anchorage. And it's the first game when you go, you know, five hours or four hours um, time difference. I mean, that Michigan used to do that all the time when they'd have to go to Alaska. Is They'd split there. They'd kill them in the second game, and they would lose a, a, a stupid game in the first game because they just flew, like, 15 hours on a plane. Yeah, so. I'm just I'm just noting that Alaska Anchorage is is bad. Correct. They they outside of that, they got swept by Colorado College. They split with Northern after losing the first game 9 to 1 and they lost their exhibition to Simon Fraser University, which is in Vancouver. Western also their even strength course in that particular game was 57 to 21. So so they got goalie. Probably. So they 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 go to Alaska Anchorage, they go to Ferris. Uh, which, okay. And then they have a home-and-home with Bowling Green. Now they've had a home-and-home with Notre Dame. Michigan played Ferris five years ago at Yost. Right. 
six years ago. Five but years ago. kind of what I'm saying is that before they had that that Saturday game against Notre Dame, they had played six games and five of them were on the road. Well, is, and and then when they play this one, <laughs> it'll be another road game, six of eight when they right. played the first game against Michigan. Right. So, so they it's not like. They haven't played the greatest of teams, but they're also going other places, which makes the game a little bit harder. Um, I did some normal stats that I usually do for them. They're 13th in pairwise, which is not really a thing yet, but it's up it's there. Not, it's not a thing. It's up there around UConn, a little behind UConn and BU, where they're at right now. Um, they're third in Corsi, which I guess when you look at who they played, that doesn't make, <laughs> yeah. or, or that makes a lot of sense. Michigan's won, by the way. They're, I think, first in Corsi by somewhat of a, a decent margin. Their power play, they're scoring at 28%. Very good. Their penalty kills at 83%. Also very good. They had, I think, three drafted skaters, but they're all late rounds, fourth through seventh rounders. No so, surprise there. Nope. And then they have, but they also have four skaters scoring over 0.75 points per game, including, I think, three at a point per game or better. Well, one of them, Galambos. Five goals in seven games, and he's a defenseman. What? He's also plus 10, and no one else on the team except for... Five goals in seven games as a defenseman? Yes, and Cedric Fielder. So their their game against Notre Dame where they score four goals, all four are by defensemen. So Fielder's a defenseman too? Fielder has two on the year from that game, and Glambos has five. Is it weird that that makes me feel like like that's more random? (sighs) Possibly. I mean, here's the weird thing. So Glambos is plus 10, Fielder... It's not Fielder, it's Fiedler. Sorry about that. Jay Fiedler? Yeah, I haven't seen that name before. Okay. F-I-E-D-L-E-R. Cedric Fiedler. Okay. Um, plus 10 and plus 9, so <clears throat> I assume that's a that's a pair, right? You would think. That if they're that tight. Also, if they're both scoring goals, they're probably both decent and yeah. they're both playing together. But no one else on the team is above a plus 5. So yeah. that pair might just be doing something really well when they're out there. So that's definitely something to keep an eye on this weekend. Yes, and then their goalie, Cameron Rowe, who we kind of giggled at a year or two ago, is off to a great start. His- well, in fairness to Cameron Rowe, he was good the year Wisconsin was good. He had 933 that season. Okay. And then last year was just catastrophic. 861 in 14 games. So something went off the rails, and he's changed scenery, and so far so good for him, which is nice to see. They have started the other guy, Kirk Larson, two times, 818. I would doubt you see him against yeah. Michigan. Unless he gets, unless Rowe gets run out of the building. But You know, the one thing that we talked about in the uh, sort of season preview of the opponents thing was that uh, this team is really different than the team last year. Yeah. A lot of the pieces have changed, so that's something to be cognizant of. Um, obviously, those who are around at the coach will probably still have them fired up big time to play Michigan, which is a storyline going into this weekend after the GLI situation <laughs> from last year. But in terms of the actual players, this is a very different team. They got but a lot of guys out of the portal. They're all old. Well, no surprise there. No, but I mean, it's not. Yeah, I mean, so they're reloading guys, but they're reloading end of career guys. And um, although, except other than their goalies, they have two freshman goalies. So, but then Cameron Rowe. Uh, another thing to note: they have Cam Knubel, who is the son of you guessed it, Mike Knubel. Really? Uh, who was he a prospect? Cam. He's a, he's a junior, so probably he, not. He's barely played over his career. So yeah. No. All right. But uh, Mike Knubel, obviously, four years at the University of Michigan in the early '90s, also a bit player on the '97 and '98 Red Wings. So, if 
uh, Cam Knubel is in the lineup, and Draper and LaPointe are in the lineup. We have some major 97-98 Red Wings action on the Dude, ice. They also have a Hugh Larkin, who was born in 1999. Could he be Dylan's younger brother? <sighs> He's from Livonia, so probably not. Oh. Maybe a cousin. Dylan's okay. from Waterford, if I remember correctly. Okay. Let's take a look at this. And they have Jack Perbix. Was he? He was from. He's from Minnesota. Minnesota, yeah, transfer so he's Minnesota. Seen, he's telling me. He was like just kind of a guy, right? I don't remember him being any. Yeah, he was not like a notable player in any way. Yeah. Um. Let's see here. So it's kind of a lot of the same, but with different characters that we've seen from from Western in the past. They're probably going to be big. They're probably going to try to push Michigan around. They're getting goals from defensemen, which means that they're bringing their defensemen up ice and probably, I'm guessing, shooting a lot from the point. And then they're protecting pretty well. I mean, they're like, we never got into Rose numbers, but he starts at a 166 GAA, which is really good. And his, or I'm sorry, a GAA, goals against, yes. And then his save percentage is a 928, which... I mean, hard to beat that. Yeah, unless you're who was that guy at Notre Dame for two years? Kale Morris. Kale Morris, who had like a nine five zero or something named but, after a vegetable. That's right. Um, yeah, I mean, this is going to be an interesting game. Uh, where does Western rank in the heavy? Let me look at this real quick. Oh, because you can. You they're can... eighth this year. So last year they were the heaviest team in college <laughs> hockey. This year they're eighth. Are we picking on large people in average weight? Uh, well, that was the storyline of the series. Yeah, I know. Um, and they're seventh, tied for seventh in average height. So this is an, another big team. It's an older team by average age. They're not crazy old because the entire Atlantic Hockey and CCHA are all over the age <laughs> of 40. Yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, compared to Michigan, who are the youngest team in college hockey with yeah. an average age of 21.0, um, that's another storyline to watch. So I'm excited for this series. I think these two teams are going to kind of um, – present challenges for each other. Michigan will from the skill and speed standpoint. Western will see they're going to want to bang around and push Michigan around. And uh, I think we'll see a lot of penalties probably, at least maybe in the first game as the teams are trying to set the tone. The goaltending matchup should be interesting. And obviously Western's going to be ready to go for this series. Well, we saw him play last year in a home-and-home home early on. And Michigan got, after starting, what, I believe 4-0, and they looked really good coming off of those wins against Minnesota State and Minnesota Duluth. Yep. And they just got run and crushed out of Yost against Western. I think it was like 4-0, 4-1, something like that. And then Saturday... They I were fighting for their life in that game. Had to go... Right. I think they're up 2-0, ended up blowing it. It was 2-2. And then I believe it was Blankenberg that had the winner in overtime that either didn't count because the NCAA doesn't count ties of non-conference games, but Michigan did win the game on the ice. So, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised to see something similar to that. I would probably lean towards Michigan, probably overwhelms them a bit on Friday, nor and Western gets absolutely fired up for their home game. Michigan probably can't match the intensity. Something dumb happens. Maybe a couple of penalties go their way, and then it. I could see Western winning even by a couple few goals. I mean, Michigan's, for the most part, like hung in and controlled all the games except for that one against BU, and they still had so many chances to tie and win on Sunday of the second game. So, I mean, you know that there's going to be a game coming where nothing clicks for them, and this Saturday game seems like it's, you know, what you say in the NHL, their schedule losses, and yeah. it feels like 
if they play well, I mean, they could play well in both games. I mean, don't get me wrong, but this this Saturday game seems like one that I'm not counting on them I, I'd sweeping be, this weekend. I'd be okay with a split. Yeah, exactly. Especially if you win at home. Like if you win, if you win your home game, and then you go and you go and they beat you and Lawson, you know they've been. This is what's kept them up at night since what January first <laughs> or. I guess it would have been. And that was December, like... December 31st. Or well, they, Michigan announced they were backing out on, like, the 26th or the 27th. Yeah. So. Merry Christmas to you. Yeah, since then. <laughs> so, yeah, um, it's good to play these teams, I think. I think that since Michigan left the CCHA or the, the Big Ten teams left the CCHA, there's... The old CCHA. The old CCHA, yes, Rest not the current one. <laughs> Um, you know, we haven't seen a lot of those kind of fun rivalries, and Michigan-Western was just getting to be a good rivalry because Western was starting to become a good program towards yep. the end of that conference. You know, we haven't seen them play teams like Miami. I wouldn't mind, a, you know, a trip to Miami at the right time. Those those would be those would be Miami fun of games. Ohio, of course. Yes. Not that Miami, as, as MGO Blog yes. of MGO yeah, If fame. we have to drop that one That's in there. true. You know, th- those kinds of games. So Michigan has, you said, played Ferris a couple of years ago. They've, they've played Lake State. Uh, they've played. They saw Ferris Bowling again Green. in the GLI one year too, or maybe both years. That like, one I do not like remember. eighteen or nineteen. Okay, one of those years. Okay, and then and then also it's been um, a while since Northern Western. So you know, starting to play some. You know, Brian talked about having some Michigan Cup or whatever, where you get a lot of teams in the state that play each other, and the best records win a trophy. So it's I like mean, the bean pot, but for the state of Michigan. You know, I mean that's. You'd have to find a time to do it, and it's uh, almost like over Christmas is not the time to do almost it. Almost something like the Jim Great Lakes Invitational. <laughs> Never heard of that one Never before. Heard. Finally, we're outside of that contract. But if they did something like that in the beginning part of the year, or Michigan's going to schedule a series which a lo- with a lot of these teams, I think that's a good thing. It's fun. Yeah, I, I would not uh, not be complaining at all. So that concludes the Western preview of this segment. We have, yeah, we can talk for a couple minutes if you want. The NHL started, um, what, a week or two ago now at this point? And like 11 days. 11 days. Most teams have probably played somewhere between five and eight games. Um, actually, longer because there was those Germany games and, or Switzerland yeah. games no one watched. Yeah. Well, so if no one watched them, maybe they didn't actually happen. But um, We never talked about that when the referee gave the speech on opening night. Did you have a take on that? I don't even know what you're talking about. So but the Rangers not. and Lightning on the opening night of the ESPN season, okay. when they went to drop the opening puck, the referee gave a speech. Like, would like when they're getting ready to drop the puck, he just whipped out his microphone. And he and turned it on the mic. It was a whole stage thing. The NHL had prepared remarks for him to read. For, it was uh, one of the, the cringiest. Thing. He was like, "Here we are, new NHL season. The Lightning and the Rangers. What gets better than this?" That was it. Yeah, and then it was it was something like "Welcome to the was NHL it, season." It was, was it, like it was so Michael bad. Buffer or something. <laughs> it, it was extremely strange and inexplicable. But let's get ready to puck. <laughs> yeah, um, no, I, I didn't even know that that happened, and I wish I still wouldn't. But so thank you for that, Alex. That was something. But do you have any early NHL takes on anything you've seen that? You you asked me when you walked in today, is it freak out time for the Canucks? Well, Quinn Hughes is on the injured list for the next week, and considering okay. he's their only defenseman, that's a bad sign. It's bad when Quinn Hughes is your only defenseman. Uh, oh, there are, I think, 0-4-2 to start the season, so things need to change in Vancouver pretty quick here. Well, and you said that they're they're getting, what, like 700 goaltending percent? Goal you know who else something. is? I don't. Matty Beneers and the Seattle Kraken. They're it's getting still happening. 
Grubauer is still, or is it just Grubauer? Is it the whole franchise? Well, the other goalie is Martin Jones, so that was not a good sign from the beginning. <laughs> uh, they're both at eight sixty save percentage to start the season. Somebody uh, tweeted at me that he thought that Matty Beniers is going to win the Calder. I, you know, everyone, a lot of people are picking power, but it's a lot oh, easier for forwards to, to win the Calder than it is for defensemen. Well, sure, generally you get speaking, more points. right. Um, and Beniers off to a nice start to the season, five points in seven games, and yeah, you really know, good. interestingly enough, the Kraken seventh in goals scored so far this season, which was well, not I mean, a thing added, that happened last year. They right, added some guys, right, which is why I was kind of interested. So that they're an interesting team this year, even though it's still happening in net, and I don't well, know what the answer. I mean, when you're talking about Vancouver dropping off, I mean, I don't think any really believes in Anaheim or San Jose. No, they're both really bad. So now you I mean, the Kraken are just slowly moving up the list. <laughs> like, the Oilers haven't had the hottest start. And, I mean, the, the Fl- Oilers still have a ton more the talent. Fl- so. Flames look good. And, Flames look really and, good. And Vegas looks good. But, I mean, the Kraken can find themselves in a wild card battle. It's possible if these goalies ever turn it around. Well, if all the other goal goalies also aren't turning it around, then well, your goaltending so is this the bad, story right? earlier in the season so far is that the East, the West are playing a lot of interconference matchups, right? And right now, the East is just pounding the West, yeah, and just you know relentlessly. But when you looked at the East and West last year, and you said, I mean, okay, the, what, the East was definitely quite better, no question. There was what two teams in the West last here, year. The difference is that some of the bad teams in the East have leveled up seemingly. I mean, they, yeah. they made moves in the off season and so far so good for the teams that did Ottawa I think is three and two so far. Red Wings three Oh and two. And the team that didn't, but was banking on its youth is getting like nine thirty five goaltending and racking up the wins. Your Buffalo Sabres. My, my family's Buffalo Sabres. Uh, they are. Let's look at their record to start the year. But they were the team that skunked Vancouver on Saturday night. Well, I mean, four and one to start the year for Vancouver. The Sabres are like running. I mean, didn't they? Did they beat Edmonton and Calgary? I think and and Vancouver. I believe they swept those three. Yes. Yeah. Well, well it helps when Craig Anderson's a nine seventy goalie and Eric Comrie's a nine thirty. And Erasmus Thalene, five goals in five games yeah. to start the season. Hey, it's about time for him, right? Yeah. Isn't that what everyone's saying? So uh, the Sabres are fun so far this year. They'll, they'll, they'll revert back, but it's entertaining to watch them. Power, two points so far. Uh, on Have the, you seen any of him? No, I haven't seen too many of their Kent games. Johnson, I think, has a couple goals in Columbus. That's where I was going to go to next. All Kent right. Johnson, two goals, two assists, four points in six games to get the wow. year going. So nice little start for him. Is Blankenberg playing? He played four games, has two points, but he's injured now. Okay. So I'm not sure how long he's out for. But, uh, yeah, that's what's uh, that's what's going on with Columbus. How's Johnny Hockey in Columbus? Uh, seven points in seven games so far. Yeah, so he's holding up his end of the bargain. I mean, they're scoring, but they can't defend it all, which was their problem last year, and they didn't address it. So it'll probably be just, more of the same. Just kind of Groundhog Day for them. Boston had a hot start. They've kind of cooled off a little bit. Uh, no, they won the other day against Minnesota, who's another team that might be panicking right now. Well, but... so the thing with Minnesota is that they have a lot of young players and. They have a number of good players, but they're playing with about six or seven less million dollars than everyone else is, right? Yeah, and, and Fleury's gotten off to a very poor start to the season, well, so I they mean, need that, him to pick up the pace. That was always going to be a risk with him. There's some guy on Boston named A.J. Greer who has got three goals on nine shots to start the season. Is it T.J. Hughes' brother? <laughs> uh, 
Boston's leading the NHL in goals scored so far, which wasn't really what anyone was expecting. Right, because everyone's hurt, right? Or well, I guess, I guess well, it, was, it was really their defense where a lot of the injuries were. So it wasn't McElroy, wasn't yeah. crazy to see you know that start. It's just they they're getting uh, a lot of offense so, so far to start the season. The Lightning so, haven't started well. No, that they they won their last two, so they've gotten back to five hundred three and three to start the year. I mean, I I assume they'll just be kind of sleepy as the year goes along and slowly pick it up. But Stamkos. Seven goals in six games to start the season. Yeah, he's, he's the one guy who's been ready to go from the start. Well, he didn't take too well to losing in the Cup Finals, so I'm guessing that he was ready to start this season. The thing about the Lightning is just that, you know, once you reach a certain... I mean, there's just different stages that you go through when you win, right? And yep. one of them is, okay, we've won a couple of Cups, and now... And they lost their third one. And so now that's what the goal is they're starting to feel sort of like the back half of the san antonio spurs where yeah you're gonna gonna play games but you're gonna take losses and you're gonna manipulate your roster to do what you need to do but you're gonna make the playoffs and then you go from there i mean last year what they finished third in the division yeah and i mean i it wouldn't shock me if they were a wild card this year which would be extremely funny because whichever team draws them is in trouble. Right, it's but, just like, come on. <laughs> <laughs> and it and it would probably be, what, Florida, most likely. I, I don't know. Tough, tough to say. It would be which wild card or, are they, who wins the other division. You, know, you, you never but know. But, like, that's, I mean, that's the team that has struggled with them the past two years, right? Is Florida's had two well, really good years. I think years. a lot of people have struggled with them. Well, okay. But Florida's <laughs> had two really good years. Yes. And And they're hyped up. Going into the playoffs, and then they meet the Lightning, and they lose. I believe in the first round to no, oh, they first didn't. round uh, in the first in two year years and, ago, yeah, and uh, last year's the second, second round, round. Yep. yeah. But, um, yeah, yeah. I mean, they, the Lightning are the, the the lurking team. I mean, the thing about the NHL is that it it isn't until American Thanksgiving that you can really say much of anything because at that point you go about twenty games in, and that's enough of a sample where teams have played enough games, and you know, guys that. Different players have now gotten in the rhythm of the season. Your schedule has evened out so that you didn't just oh, play yeah. all the same team a yeah. few times. And at that point, the stat that always gets circulated that uh, it's something like whatever it is, like 90% of the teams at that point that are in the playoff picture eventually make it. Mm. Um, so, when, and it's usually around Thanksgiving, is that what you said? Yeah. Okay. So, so, we, so we still have another month or so. Yep. And you know, and that that gives you a chance to get more of a of a feel for the season because you'll have some good patches, some bad patches by that point for everybody, basically. Right. Well, I think we touched on enough there, and um, we've held your time long enough. Games this weekend: Michigan Western, I believe, Saturday. I'm sorry, Friday at 7 p.m. BTN Plus. Saturday, 6 p.m. So you'll have an hour, hour and a half before. Michigan, Michigan State football at 7.30 to watch maybe a period or two of Michigan, Western Michigan hockey. I believe that's going to be on NCHC TV, if I remember correctly. So if you need to get your purchasing in, do it ahead of time. Also, beware of crazy streaming situations. It happens. You miss goals. Hopefully you miss a lot of Michigan goals, and there's plenty of them. Well, and this is basically the end of the weird streaming services. So That's right. Well, I don't know. it's all BTN Plus. Yeah, which way. it's not a weird streaming service, well, apparently, according they're bad. to us. Well, they're bad, but they're <laughs> not weird. It's just a bad streaming service. <laughs> don't come to us for your BTN Plus stan accounts.
Thank you for listening to Michigan Hockey Cast 5.4. For Alex Drain and David Nesternak, come back next week where we will be preparing for an avalanche of goals. Mm-hmm.